This is part two of a conversation with Amy Yoshitsu and Michelle McCrary. Part one is available to listen and can be found wherever you are now listening to part two. I feel like we would have been friends in writing our thesis. Uh, what was yours? Part, well, it was a lot of it was very large scale sculpturals, sculptures, but I also did a zine and it was about a lot of things, including I was studying a lot about punk culture. And that was a lot of what my writing at the time was about. And, you know, that was like a big part of my life. And it still, still is a big part of my identity. But that was what I was like academically and socially very interested in at the time. That's right. Because you said that you're straight edge and I've always been fascinated by straight edge culture um you know in my listening to music I for sure had like a punk phase I was definitely into um like fishbone and dead Kennedys and all that stuff and yeah that whole the punk culture is so fascinating to me it's real yeah it's super fascinating especially the west coast punk scene is super fascinating. That's interesting because I never, I think because of my identity and my personal experiences, I never connected with the West Coast punk scene when I was like, when you bring up the Dead Kennedys, like I went to high school and I think it's still the case that kids who go to the high school that I went to wear Dead Kennedy shirts. Like there are a faction, like there's the kids who wear the Misfit shirts or the kids who wear the Dead Kennedy shirt. And so it is like, but those kids are not necessarily the people who I would be friends with or who like I would you know relate to. And so when I went to the East Coast, I met a whole group of women who were very like academic in some ways and some who are not and who are very like into empathy and culture building and like the punk scene. And then I was like, oh, I found like my place in it. And I think that experience really grounded me in like feeling uh connected and I've had like it's still they're all white women and so it was still like there was like a still a disconnection that I was always very aware of but like could not put into my consciousness or allow my consciousness to really grapple with at the time and one of the books that I loved that I was doing research with when during that time was this book called Pretty and Punk and it really helped me understand the piece about gender and the punk scene and like also yeah straight edge culture and masculinity, femininity, and um, being vegan and vegetarian, etc. And so like, that's the time also when I became vegetarian and was very much like, this is a ideology that I can, that I can, I can get with. Like, I think also coming from a background, not a lot of material or financial resources, I was like, this is a way that I can be proud to not be poor. Like that was a really big piece about it, about class. Yeah. Yeah, I hear that. Yeah, wow. I didn't even think about it like that. Proud to be poor. Sorry, I said it wrong. Yeah, and do you feel that there are subcultures like that anymore? I mean, maybe I'm just like, I don't know, a crusty Gen Xer. I feel like that felt so, you know, you describing that experience and me thinking about like, all of the kind of musical genres. I never was really like in a quote scene. Yeah. Um, and I think that kind of speaks to what I'm coming to understand as like um, who I am is kind of like a, a radical bridge builder. Like I never, mm-hmm. never like really in something, but I'm like across many different realities. Yep. <laughs> so yep. Yeah, so I, I, f- I wonder if kids have that experience now, you know, of, I don't know. I hope so. Yeah, I hope I so. Hope I mean, so. 
Yeah, I mean, I see Mirrored Fatality, they're out there. Shout yeah. out to them, who we love. Yeah. And I mean, they're they're doing it. So I hope so, and I think so. Yeah, you're yeah. right. You're right. And that is why I really gravitated toward them, um, you know, when I was working on the Artist in Residence program at Esalen, because I was like, oh, I know this. I yeah. know, I know what they're trying to do it yeah. was very clear to me who they were yes and like what they were trying to do and it was in a obviously in a totally different context but it was very familiar and i was so excited about it i was just like yes 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 all to all of it so yes. shout out to <laughs> mango and summer i love both of them yeah yeah i i definitely wish that they were around or that there were more people like that when I was like coming up in that age. I think uh, as you were talking about like masculinity and patriarchy in the music industry, I mean, I could talk about that for a long time, but I can talk about my personal experience in that, like in the punk scene. I mean, I would say I was at the fringes of, and I think race played a big role in that, but the hierarchy was the people who were the musicians and usually they were white dudes Mm -hmm. and that, you know, what's the, what's there to say like what's what's one's place if you could never really attain that and so i'm so excited that they're out there doing it and i hope and think more young people especially femmes and gender non-conforming people of color are so that's yeah. great i mean one of my favorite bands right now is a punk band in singapore oh i love that yeah that's awesome yeah i feel like i need to be um find some ways to get new music um yeah and I can't even remember now it's like how do kids get new music I was like oh yeah YouTube and I use Bandcamp oh Bandcamp I didn't use that yeah I yeah I don't know I don't know and it's I I think I got I used to get a lot of my new music from just going to the record store and I think it's that whole experience has been truncated um but there yeah but there are still a couple places hanging on I'm grateful for them um but I wanted to ask you something about not only your experience kind of in, you know, the punk scene, being an Asian woman, but like, as you move through that world, work, like what, how are those experiences parallel? Because I feel like, again, it's all systems. It's like, yeah, it I, is, it is. You know, and hierarchies, so, yeah. yeah. So, like a cultural system, and you know, cultural system inside of the corporate environment. Uh, yeah, I mean, there are many directions that I could speak to on that. The first thing that comes to mind is the word performance. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when I started, well, I guess like kind of going from being really committed to the punk scene and that the like that saying like punk saved my life like that's a popular saying that I had this idea at the time that I was like really focused on my art practice I was in college and really committed to the punk scene and that I there wasn't necessarily room to go down both roads fully like that uh, I that I was very aware that like art was more there was this like class component of art that was like rich people buy this and that you're invested in this like academic institutional thought and that to go down fully the road of being punk either to means to be very entrenched in activism or being a musician or being very like 
off the grid of traditional material needs in some ways. And for many ways, I think because of the family I came from, et cetera, like that was not really an option for me for in like a lot of ways. And so, and not that art was like a great option because it's extremely challenging and also insecure, but I was like, okay, well, this is what I want to do. But uh, eventually when I came back home and I started, like I had just had to get a job. Uh, I did then have this experience of performance that was familiar in that I had to become a different person at my jobs. I had to like, I was just thinking so much about like how I started like dressing differently and trying to perform something that was especially more feminine that than I really, I'm really comfortable now that I don't have to go to an office and don't have to uh, be around that type of hierarchy that puts me more in a gendered category that I think was really uncomfortable. But at the time I was telling myself like, this is what you have to do. Like this is like, growing up and like doing things that are hard and painful to do these things. And I think there's also like, in I always thought of in the punk space that there was also some level of performance I had to do because I wasn't in the traditional body of per someone who has authority. There was a level of like faking it and like having to look like you adhere to a certain level of values or ideas or knowledge, um, whether or not that was my personal experience. And so in thing, both realms, there was a lot of performativity, which I have a lot of um, negative feelings about. Yes. And we have talked about that. And you just brought up whew, so many things. So what you kicked off for me is that bridging between this like identity and like experience of that's really like a huge part of who you are that comes from this music scene right and then you find yourself having to quote you know be responsible and get a real job mm -hmm. because of the demands of capitalism mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then you totally have to become a different person and mm -hmm. so that, that kind of brings me back to you know, what we were talking about, about Converge and the idea of the podcast and bringing your full self to work, like you couldn't bring your full self to work. Yeah. And in, in my case, I thought that, oh, if I'm working for like MTV and like it's music, I could totally bring my full self to work. Ah, not really. Yeah. Not really. There's that same kind of performance of like dress and, you know, they tell you all that stuff about, oh, you know, dress for the job that you yeah. want. Yeah. yeah. Imitate the, the, the executive that you want to be and all exactly. this other stuff. So it's all such a dirty lie. You know, you can't bring your full self. You know, exactly. people always say, well, I found a way to crack the code and bring my full self. But there's still a certain kind of performance to it. You know, I mean, yeah, I'm blessed right. you if you, you can take up space fully as who you are um, in those corporate spaces. But I feel like they're very regulated. I feel like there is a, uh, there's always a performance of wealth and class. Yes. Yep. That goes okay. along with that. Um, yeah. And I, and I feel like even though I was working in this like looser kind of creative, environment there was still that performance of race and class and like the expectations of the larger system yeah inside of all of that yep. um yeah that yeah yeah it's it's wild out there and 
like when you came upon that also going to boarding school maybe you'd already like you it had trickled down at that point when you came upon that did you what was your reaction did you like go, go into it and try to lean into it a little bit at first and then realize no or were you always like I know who I am and I'm not going to end up climbing the ladder because of xyz um I think that as much as I could, I retained the sense of who I was, yeah. which was always like a weirdo, you yeah. know? Um, so like there was like a, a lot of people doing like hacky sack and like listening to the Grateful Dead and stuff. And I was like, yeah, that's not my thing. I was like, I, I don't like this music. I was like, full on I was coming off of my like I was still very much in my like full rock phase Mm -hmm. so I was like into Soundgarden I was into the Red Hot Chili Pepper Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I was like still you know into like Fishbone and Living Color Mm -hmm. and all that stuff and like you know um yeah so I like I stuck to that in that way but there was still like um performances that you had to do there yeah like we had to wear like uniforms once a week for like this formal sit down dinner and they were like these Laura Ashley uniforms <laughs> like yeah it's like what is this what is this? it was like a vestige from some other weird time you know it was like, what is this? So, you know, you, you, you do have elements of that environment and that culture, but I think I was always like twisting against it. And I yeah, also yeah. have a big mouth, especially yeah. when I feel like things are not right um, yeah. or unjust. And I was very quick to open my neck. And yeah. I remember getting into it with um, a teacher there because there was some project that I was doing and I feel I picked like Paul Robeson mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. they had like some challenge around that. And I remember telling mm. my parents and it was like a thing and it was just like, <laughs> yeah. So I feel like I always butt up against it yeah, you know? yeah, and in the workplace too, I butt up against it. And I realized very quickly as like, I don't want to climb anything. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it was hard because that feeling always made me feel like a failure. Yep. Like I was not doing it right. Like I had all yep. this fancy, expensive education. Me and too. Why am I not the SVP of all things? Um, and it didn't matter to me. And it still yep. doesn't matter to me. And yep. you know, I, I just I wanna work with people that I like and respect. And make a decent wage so that I can eat and pay yeah. for my housing and spend time with the people I love and like, you know, have adventures and live a rich, full life that doesn't include, you know, shucking and jiving for yeah. a check. And maybe yeah. that's really naive and maybe that's like unrealistic. But yeah, I just, I'm not interested. I'm not interested. Yeah. It's not because I'm not ambitious and it's not because I don't have the capability. It's just like, I don't want to do it like that. 
And I don't want to, my ambition is to live a full embodied life. My ambition is not to like dress like some person (laughs) I can like imitate their lot in life and, you know, and no shade to people who do that. God bless you. God bless you. It's just not my thing. And it's still taking um, a lot of therapy (laughs) and a lot of healing work to be okay with myself and be okay with, you know, that's not my path. It's not for me. It's not, it's not, it's not for me. I really hear that. Yeah. Yeah. Did the experience of going to that boarding school then make it uh, more familiar when you encounter that in the workforce? Um, I, I feel like yes and no. Um, I, I feel like, um, I still didn't have a lot of the words, even though I, I took a lot of like, you know, black studies or as they called it. So I'm dating myself, Africana studies. And, you know, I had the theory, but it was like, for me, that theory and practice was not like clicking, mm-hmm. you know, and I think there's some pieces to just trying to survive that you, that I internalized that I didn't really think about it. And it's like yeah. you were saying, it's like, I have to do X, Y, and Z just to get through this. Yeah. I have to suffer through this bullshit just yeah. to get through this. Um, and there were like experiences that I had that it was very clear that, you know, if it was a choice between me and my hyper competence at what I did in that corporate space and, um, a white woman who was just okay, they were going to go with the just okay white woman. And that became clear over and over. And the ways that, um, certain kinds of looks and, you know, don't get into like the sizeism and the fat phobia and the colorism and all those pieces, like all those pieces that I feel like I didn't really have the language for, like Mm -hmm. I wasn't reaching for that language to like define my experience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And maybe a lot of other people were, but I feel like the people who, who had, that kind of like advanced political knowledge or have, were like putting those pieces together in their own lives. Um, I got the sense that they figured out some way to like quote, play the game. Yeah. You know? Um, and I'm never very good at playing the game. I'm terrible. Like I'm terrible. Eventually I fuck it up eventually I sabotage myself. Yep. Yep. (laughs) I can relate to that. Yeah. Yeah. I can see you thinking. Yeah. I'm just reflecting on all that. Yeah. So I, I, and I, and I also feel like, um, I'm, in my work in healing myself, I've given my myself permission to grow and transform. And I feel like in this culture, 
especially when you put it in the context of like career and work and profession, you're supposed to be on this singular track. Yes. Or if you're not on this singular track, there's like this narrative of um, shifting gears and switching careers and shifting Mm -hmm. and like, it just, um, yeah, I think I'm really giving myself permission to just question everything in a way that I never did. Yeah. And I really feel like better late than never. Um, so I feel like I was questioning it in some ways, but the questioning turned into a lot of acting out. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and a lot of like, you know, I'm very much like that. I'm thinking about that Viola Davis gif where she like packs up, picks up her briefcase and yeah. she rolls her eyes as she goes. <laughs> yes. That's very yeah. much the energy that I have um, for good or for ill, you know? And do you, f- yeah. And do you feel like the questioning period being now comes after, oh, I tried to do the game, et cetera, for X years. And now I know it's not for me. And like, I, it could only be now that I am going to act upon this questioning. Um, I think it's a process of getting older and like, just at some point, just being like, I don't want to do this. I'm tired. Yeah. The yeah. clock is ticking. Yeah. And then I think having kids really really like that experience of um being hit with the ways that parenting and especially mothering you know and and not say my like mothering in the sense that if you are a mother mm-hmm. whatever body you inhabit it's not supported. Mm-hmm. And, and I had this really visceral experience mm-hmm. of, of feeling like I was, I was not having any part in like raising my child. I wasn't having any part yep. in having like a relationship. I was like, you know, traveling and rushing off and leaving her with a babysitter and, you know, all these things that you have to shift to, to do instead of feeling like you could find the support to just like, you know, take care of your family and center, like shepherding this human life. Yeah. I really felt that sense that I had to choose that a lot of women do. And that's, and that's like a systemic thing, but I feel like we as a society kind of put it into this box of like, either you make the decision to become childless and free, or you make the decision to become a breeder and like, you know, take your chances. (laughs) It's not like an expansive choice. It's not like, you know, it's not like, uh, it's not like you could do, you have the freedom to do whatever you want to do with your body and that's okay. It becomes yeah. like a binary. 
it yep. becomes like uh you know and this i feel like the system forces that the system creates that so i think that period of questioning really came with like holy shit there's this whole other life that i'm responsible for right now yeah. and nothing nothing feels like it's supporting this and supporting me in this endeavor you know and there's all these narratives about can you have it all and can you do this and like and none of it's rooted in basic care none of it's rooting exactly. rooted in like how do you have a healthy society and a healthy community that supports kids and their development and their growth it's just these series of choices that you have to make that feel very much like either or yeah um and they're also defined by like the level of privilege you have to like access childcare in a certain way um to be able to be the quote career woman and have I agree and I yeah I think that's really you know cliche as it may be that gave me pause because I felt responsible I was like I feel responsible for creating an environment where I'm fully engaged in this process with this little person who is far more interesting than anybody <laughs> in the office no shade absolutely there are a lot of people that I loved and came to have really great relationships that I still have today but um as they all know because most of them met my daughter um yeah she's the queen <laughs> special yeah and the same with my son like when he came along I was already in deep in the process and I was yeah. like okay here's this other loon and the time that I spend with them is like absolutely absolutely I mean that's something that I th think about a lot I've thought about my whole life is it's wild that we spend so much time like tr in traditional work situations with people who we did not choose we may not like what? we have nothing to say to and that is like your life your hours yeah. goes to that social environment yeah and the, and the social pieces around it too are really hard you know again talking oh, about yeah. performance like again the lie is it's like oh go for those after work drinks. Cause that's mm -hmm. where all the quote magic happens. Not for me, not for Absolutely. me. <laughs> it didn't, it didn't happen. And again, that's for me. There are a lot of people who are out in the world and they're succeeding in this environment. And they went to the drinks and they were on the softball team and they, you know, played the game and, you know, they made, the choice but it wasn't for me and I really like I said I've, I've continued to do a lot of work around being okay with that and being like yeah. you know okay with my choices and and at the end of the day when I do when I think about my kids and I think about this life that I don't know what it's going to be <laughs> that I'm trying to cultivate um you know being more control in control of my time and trying to create my own reality in these cracks, you know, and I have a lot of privilege and I have a lot of help doing that. Um, 
but yeah, I all, I also, it just, it just, I really am committed to living my life on my terms and prioritizing just something beyond just work and making money and like the shininess of um, the accolades of success as defined by this society, you know? Yeah. And I am with you in acknowledging that there are people out there who are feeling fulfillment and like achieving what they want in a personal level by going to those drinks or being on that softball team. But I, there are also people who, as we both know, are doing it because they cannot lose that job. They have to continue to yeah. like be in the situation they and they don't necessarily want to. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And that like the, for both of us wanting like to live our lives in the way we want to, that's like, I think what a lot of people want. Like most people yeah. do want that uh, autonomy and that control over their particular like life situation and the family that they put a lot of money and bodily resources into making. So it's, it is, it's systemic. It's so, super systemic in my view. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And I think a lot of the work that I've been trying to do is just, you know, being okay with my choices and not judging myself through the lens of the outside world um, for making these choices. Yeah. So when I really sit down and think about it, I'm really grateful to even be here, to even thinking through this stuff and finding people like you and finding other people who are also thinking about the same things and trying to create something new, trying to create a different reality, a supportive reality um, for people to just, just be able to be and have to be okay. Just be, just be, you yeah. know, you don't have to have, it's okay that you're just breathing that's good. That's great. That's good enough. You know, you don't need any, you know, bona fides. Yeah. External validations. Um, exceptionalism. You could just, I yeah, agree. you're just here and that's great. It's, it's a miracle that you're here. That's <laughs> I agree. It's just be here. Yeah, it's we've strayed so far from like a human centric society. Yeah, I just feel like a life centric society. Like we yeah. don't even have any respect for life. Yeah, you know, You're right? We don't have any respect for the water. It's exactly that's living. The animals in the water, the animals on the land, the animals in the sky. Like we have no respect for that. Like we and we're so disconnected from it. You know, and again, it's all defined in the concept of ownership. Exactly. And, Private you ownership. Know, trying to yeah. like control and dominate and shape the land externally in this way that's extractive and not, it's not generative. Like, exactly. it's just, yeah. And I think, I think broadly, 
not only with COVID, but I feel like this this way of existing is coming to a head. Like, I hope so. I hope so. But yeah. I just feel, I, I think there are a lot of people who are just really committed to it. Yes. <laughs> but I also feel like there are a lot of people who are the ones who are the most vulnerable are feeling like pinched by it. You know? I agree. I mean, most people are. The, yeah. I mean, the migration, the war, the droughts, the environmental disasters. It's very, very, it's, I don't know. I mean, that's, I guess, why dystopia is so popular now. Because uh, people who create that see that the commitment is going to lead us to that path. Yes. If and that there's yeah. so much fear around, like, the failed utopianism of the 20th century ideals that, like, I don't know. It's interesting that, no, like, it's so, to me, so much is such pure dystopia. I think it's Station Eleven. Sorry, this is getting kind of into the TV realm, but, like, so much of, like, there was, it was kind of beautiful the way they portrayed that in the show, but um, I don't know. I, yeah, I'm so, like, there's so much dystopia because I think of that commitment and no one is even talking about, like, this is what it would look like to not go down that path. Yeah. And I wonder um, if we even have the tools sometimes. It's like, yeah. how much of this, uh, how much of this, this poison will we continue to carry with us and not be healed from it? But I'm really into, again, talking about TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go. Let's go. Let's go. I'm really into um, the new Star Trek series, Strange Worlds. I have not watched it at all, but tell me about it. Oh, it's good. It's so good. It's really good. But there is like this point where there's this uh, other species called Alarians who had genetically modified themselves. Okay. And um, it's against Federation rules to genetically modify. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And so there, I won't spoil it, but there was a, a, a moment in this the show when the doctor, who's amazing, I'm forgetting the doctor's name, but he's like the chief, he's the doctor. He's basically like the bones. Mm-hmm. And he's just <laughs> saying like, you know, we came up with other ways of kind of separating and stigmatizing each other even after, you know, we, mm-hmm. we lived through they call it like the third world war and like the mm-hmm. second civil war. And in this universe, like that has happened at, on mm-hmm. earth and they bring it into the context of like, you know, all the stuff that we're experiencing now, that yeah. was the point where we totally self-destructed. And then out of that comes this new reality of the Federation. But even still inside of that, they managed to hang on to some of those prejudices and be prejudiced mm. in this species of people who, you know, for their own reasons, decided to genetically modify themselves. Um, yeah, it's deep. It's so good. It's so, yeah. Shout out to out. Star Trek. Yeah. <laughs> so interesting. And so do you feel like that aftermath is, is dystopian or do you feel like it gives you hope or, you know, without spoiling it? Um, or it's realistic. I've been really thinking a lot about what apocalypse means okay. and what mm-hmm. this whole idea of the end of the world means. 
Um, and I've been thinking more of it about in terms of like the end of one kind of reality that can hopefully birth something else. Yeah. So I think everything has an ending. Everything is a, like the world works in a cycle. The mm-hmm. natural world works in a cycle and mm-hmm. cycles come to an end and yeah. move into a new cycle. Yeah. So I've been trying to think about it like that. Um, yeah, like this is just a cycle of vicious self-inflicted cycle that's got to come to an end. I agree. And I really hope that people who are just yearning for another way to live, um, in some kind of harmony, that centers all life and a real relationship with the earth. I hope that, um, you know, we're creating the tools for the folks after they come out of that. Yeah. 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 I mean, I hope we do. I hope that's, I don't know. I think that's what's scary to people is the end of a cycle. Is that the end of a cycle involve mass death, involve violence, or just involves like change and humans are so afraid of change and like your daily routine being changed in some way or your context being changed in some way. But I mean, I, I don't know. I think we're here together right now because we're really looking for some kind of change and I hope that we can be part yeah, of that or do something. Let's quote miss butler the only yeah. lasting truth is change that's yes it. that's it our producer is telling us that <laughs> this is, we're coming to an end <laughs> that's good oh my god he's adorable okay <laughs> isn't he <laughs> oh my gosh between you and lewis i can't even handle it Aren't they so cute? I can't handle it. I know. Bring Your Full Self is put together through the collective effort of the members of Converge Collaborative. A special thanks today to Amy and Michelle and to you for listening. If you're interested in learning more about our group, our work, or would just like to say hi, you can reach us by emailing converge at convergecollaborative.com or on Instagram at convergecollaborative.